I think it's important to understand, like, you know, there, there's like, there, there, <laughs> sorry, we'll have to edit that out. Um, there, by we, I mean you, sorry. <laughs> um. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to the Pair Bear Pair podcast. On a special edition on behalf of Client Boost, I'm Reese, a senior account manager at Client Boost and one of the hosts of this podcast. And I'm also here with our other host, Matthew Pompa. I'm the uh, digital marketing strategist at Fahrenheit Marketing in Austin, Texas. Excited to do this um, special edition um, of the Pair Bear Pair podcast today for Client Boost. Um, pretty cool opportunity. And so today we're going to be talking about uh, 21 major keys to boost your PPC reporting uh, with Google Analytics. Yeah, and I think this is something that's uh, really important because uh, you know I've, I've worked with a lot of clients, and the most irritating thing is when you know you have this first point here when the accounts aren't connected, so you're not even like piping in data to the place where all your other stuff is, and it's just the worst. So um, yeah, do you want to start us off and kind of like give us, I guess, from the PPC perspective, uh, you know, how do you? Yeah. Take care of all that you know the first step like really to ensuring that you know because google analytics offers a lot of data that you can't get just within adwords um you know obviously a lot of you know what you see day-to-day in adwords is um uh, pretty important data but google analytics really kind of opens up with an even bigger wealth of demographic targeting options and um, some more data that pertains like just to the site and so the first step to making sure that your AdWords account and your analytics accounts are communicating together is to just have them linked in the first place. And so, uh, you know, the first step that you would take to do that is to log into your Google Analytics account and then just go down to the on the left hand side of the screen. You just go to the admin tab and then under you'll, you'll see three columns for um, basically like your account your property and review. And so on that second column for the property where you check out, um, there should, should be something in there for account linking. If you go there and go ahead and just select your AdWords account, then you can go ahead and establish the link through there. And that'll ensure that um, basically any clicks that come through your AdWords account, um, all those things are tagged and organized appropriately in your Google Analytics account. So you can basically uh, take every layer of your AdWords campaigns and um, basically like you know apply any dimension of data that you'd get in google analytics to those campaigns so that you can get a little more data on them yeah and i mean it's it's so helpful because beyond just getting the data from you know what you're doing in adwords and how your ppc campaigns are performing uh, it's really great because then you can see how it's either influencing or contributing to other areas of your site and you know attribution modeling uh, looks a lot prettier looks a lot, it's a lot easier to handle in google analytics and I definitely feel like it's also though with custom reporting. Um, I like creating like reports and dashboards for my clients um, and creating alerts for myself in analytics. So having all of it in like a one-stop shop a little bit makes it a little bit easier to, to manage and look over. You know, and I also love that with, uh, you know, when you have both of those accounts linked, you can also import some metrics that are uh, a little more exclusive to analytics into your AdWords interface. So like a couple of those include um, like bounce rate, uh, session duration, pages per uh, session. And the cool thing about having those is, um, you know, a lot of, I've worked, you know, or known a lot of people who have accounts where they, um, 
may not have a ton of conversion data yet, and so they're wondering how they can really start optimizing their campaigns. And um, you know, if you don't have a lot of conversion data, like what what steps do you actually take? And so the cool thing about having some of those uh, you know more engagement level metrics is you can pull those right alongside your campaigns, ad groups, and keywords, and see like you know if one keyword has. Uh, you know, like a 100% bounce rate compared to others where you're at least getting some engagement out of them, then that at least gives you kind of like a like a micro conversion sort of optimization to work toward and you know, like which traffic seems totally irrelevant uh, on the surface and which seems like it may actually be kind of promising. It's also cool beyond uh, the metrics, you can also connect some of your uh, Google Analytics goals too. I, I find that having Google Analytics goals imported into AdWords to be pretty ideal, um, especially for e-commerce clients where uh, Google Analytics counts transactions whenever people make purchases. That's probably my favorite instance of using a, importing a goal from analytics into AdWords. Um, there are other cases in which I do it too. That's probably the most common one. But what I do like about being able to import a goal from analytics is that um, having that goal in both interfaces kind of really opens up your uh, attribution modeling opportunities, and we'll kind of get into more of that later, but um, you know, it really gives you a much more comprehensive view of like that one particular goal. Um, just because AdWords has like their own um, attribution settings, uh, but they really only let you see like, you know, attribution journeys from uh, like different campaigns or different keywords. Um, and they've kind of been moving more toward like a cross device approach lately. So you can analyze that as well. But with Google Analytics, um, you can really get beyond just like campaigns and keywords and actually do like cross channel attribution. But yeah, that's in my opinion, a huge advantage of being able to create goals and analytics and import them into AdWords. So beyond like creating, um, beyond once you have your accounts linked and you know, you're, you're importing metrics and you're importing goals, uh, what, what do you think is like the next best thing for someone to tackle? Like how do you, you know, you're, you're getting, you're getting a little bit more information now. You're kind of seeing, you're getting a little bit, you're adding another dimension to your campaigns that gives you more insights, but what else, like how else can you kind of like, you know, well, make your campaigns more well-rounded from a data perspective. What's something else that we can do to make that, uh, more actionable. Um, I mean, if you want to keep things actionable, then one thing that I'd recommend is, um, you know, one thing I, I really like to do is like if I'm trying to figure out an opportunity to uh, expand like beyond AdWords or something like that, um, let's just say like, you know, we haven't, let's say we haven't done any paid social, um, we've just been doing AdWords. And so, uh, you know, a natural step that we might take might be expanding our search marketing to Bing Ads or Yahoo Gemini. And so um, one thing that I looked, I like to look at in that case is, you know, for tracking goals and analytics, you know, we can um, select a dropdown for whatever our most important goal is. And then one thing I'll do after that is I'll kind of go into the acquisition report and under the source and medium section, I might look at just organic traffic for all the search engines that are bringing traffic to the site. And I'm going to look at conversion rates um, or, you know, if we have a different metric like revenue per session, um, I'll look at those metrics for that goal, comparing uh, the organic visits we're getting from Google. Uh, so, you know, again, the non-paid ones and compare that to being Yahoo and any other search engines that may be relevant. And so um, by doing that, I feel like you know a lot of a lot of times where clients and I have um, been wanting to expand what we're doing to gain more conversions, um, expanding out to Bing or Yahoo and just seeing like which has the better conversion rates between those, you know, it really gives us like a very data-driven approach 
to, um, you know, basically picking our next best target for expansion. So, I mean, I totally recommend that. Like if, you know, it's definitely a way to keep all the data that you're getting from analytics very actionable and also make sure that, you know, you're focusing uh, on the right metrics. So like if you see, for example, you know, you may be getting less traffic from being than uh, Google, which makes sense given the um, discrepancies in traffic they have. But you see that people from being converted like, uh, you know, double the rate then that's a pretty good indication that, you know, expanding to being uh, being ads would be a good idea. Yeah, and, and I know this is something we've actually talked about on a previous, previous episode um, when I think we actually compared Bing and Google to <laughs> Marvel and DC. So that's actually, that was a, yeah. that was a fun conversation. Um, it's also like really important just to make sure that you have like UTM tagging turned on for your campaigns and you and that you're doing things to make sure that, to see how each of the campaigns or stuff is working, especially if you're going to be connecting your two sources together. Definitely. Yeah, UTM tagging um, is super crucial. Um, you know, and as uh, a senior account manager at Client Boost, um, part of my role involves, uh, you know, offering some training to um, the other account managers I work with and the account coordinators. And so one thing that I stress a lot, especially when we're branching into stuff outside of uh, AdWords, um, is using UTM tags properly and making sure that uh, when all this traffic goes back to Google Analytics, it's attributed properly. Um, Bing Ads is kind of getting better about it these days, and they offer an auto-tagging feature now too, which is pretty cool. Um, but one one really big source of traffic that doesn't yet is Facebook ads. And so that's definitely one thing that um, I emphasize a lot is, you know, every, anytime we're building out um, new Facebook ads that we're going to be using, uh, I definitely think it's important to... Um, go ahead and create some new uh, UTM tags for those ads. That way we have all the campaign data in analytics. You know, a lot of what I get to do is um, a lot of data analysis and using that to like improve our strategies for our various clients. And, you know, and when I go into an account and I see that there's just nothing that's actionable, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, it, it's frustrating. And so, you know, making sure that, and Celia, I don't know, I don't know why AdWords does this where you have to go check that little box it's it's such a simple thing, but it's like why is this not already checked, AdWords? <laughs> I know, yeah. But um, but yeah, making sure that's checked, and then yeah, like you said, um, you know, using it effectively. Um, I definitely use it, especially when I'm doing some marketing automation and email marketing things. Um, you know, I go through and I like, give each uh, when I have different like clickable elements within emails, I make sure each of those are tagged uh, properly with their with different UTM parameters, so I know like how people are engaging with something, and then it's easy. It's not just important for PPC work or Facebook, but even your other marketing efforts because then you can kind of compare how various things are performing against each other. So I know, you know, cohort analysis is really important or comparing how different, you know, parts of your traffic are coming in. So, you know, when you have your thing, when you have like various parts of your content, um, PPC campaigns, um, email campaigns uh, tagged properly, you actually be able, you'll get a better picture of you know what's what your audience is finding most engaging because or even what your audience from different platforms are finding engaging because that Facebook audience is going to be probably pretty different from your you know AdWords audience who's going to be very different from your um, Bing audience even and you can kind of see what's going to resonate with each of those audiences if you tag your stuff properly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and one resource that I want to throw out there um, that way people can start taking advantage of it if they're not already. Um, to make sure, like, I guess to give yourself a template for building out all your UTM tags and just to kind of make things easier for yourself, um, Google does offer a resource to do that. Um, basically, if you just do a search for Google Analytics Campaign URL Builder, it should be the first thing that pops up. Um, but basically, it's a little template that um, 
gives you a couple a couple of spaces to enter like the page you want to send traffic to, um, some spaces for you to enter um, each of the major UTM attributes like your source, medium, uh, content, uh, a couple others. Campaign and, name. Um, basically, campaign name. <laughs> That's a big one. Um, and basically, you know, it'll automatically uh, concatenate all those different attributes into um, a URL that's properly formatted to pass on those UTM text analytics. So um, highly recommend taking advantage of that. And as like a nice little extra pro tip, I would also say that when you're doing that, one thing that I find useful that I do is I keep a little Google Sheet, a G Sheet, and I create a little template for each of my clients of how I'm tagging things. So. Um, and we've actually talked about this on a previous episode, too, about uh, data organization. Um, again, like, that's what kind of UTM tagging helps you do, but you also want to make sure that you're bucketing it everything in the right way. So you want to make sure that when you label source, you're labeling it the way Google's going to bucket it properly. Because, again, another frustrating thing is when you go into Google and you see three different sources that all say Facebook, one with a capital F, one with a lowercase f, one with a capital F and capital <laughs> B. It's just it's a nightmare to deal with. So um, create a little template for yourself, too, in a G Sheet. And just make sure you, you have like high, uh, standard practices for how you are going to be naming things or bucketing things uh, just to make sure um, it all looks, uh, looks, looks all kosher up in your uh, analytics account. <laughs> um, the other thing I'll add on top of that, you know, like I think what you're saying is great too. Um, like I think it's important to like keep a Google Sheet or something like that that helps you stay consistent. Um, and one other resource I want to throw out there just to make sure um, you know, everyone can like have like a more uh, like a written down reference for UTM tags too. Um, someone that I know you like also, Analytics has an awesome guide to UTM tagging. Yes, uh, that's linked to in this post. Yeah, and she really goes in depth um, into talking about like every detail of UTM tagging and like standard practices for naming your sources, mediums, and campaigns. Yeah, and uh, she's such a great resource. Yeah, I, I love I love her stuff. Um... So what, what's really cool is like, so we've connected our AdWords account with our analytics account. We're getting, you know, quality metrics that we're measuring. We're seeing um, people complete goals on our site, like the main stuff we want them to do. Um, we're, you know, we're able to segment our data so we can actually like make more actionable decisions looking for either new opportunities, which is really important, especially when you're dealing with PPC. It's about finding new opportunities uh, to expand what you're doing or, you know, you, you have all this like great stuff you're doing, but, you know, not everything that someone's going to do is going to be an immediate conversion. Um, even with e-commerce, you know, some people might be comparison shopping, some people might be doing some other things. Um, so I guess there are some things that we can, like some smaller things that we can do to make sure that we're measuring those like smaller, in, those micro interactions that people are having with us, micro conversions, if you will. Um, just depending on how your your website's set up, you might end up with a situation where you have um, maybe even a macro conversion that you want to track, but it's not like on a unique URL. Mm -hmm. And so you have to create a, an event for it. And, um, you know, definitely want us to give like some special attention to creating event goals in analytics uh, because um, you know it's it's fairly straightforward to like go into analytics create a goal based off of a destination and say you know like the URL contains slash thank you and that's a conversion um, but event tracking is a little less straightforward because um, it'll usually require one of two things which is one either having your developer or having yourself do some custom coding on part of the website so that you can record that action as a conversion like if it's a button click or a video view um, or you know maybe even something that happens like within an iframe um, or it'll require doing some uh, basically setting up some tags and triggers through Google Tag Manager and um, uh, you know, one example I can think of, um, 
uh, one of my clients who's been, uh, they measure uh, phone calls are really important to them. And so we've had to set up a couple of uh, custom events specifically to track uh, clicks on phone calls in addition to like their other call tracking software. Um, but basically just to make, you know, people who are making those calls um, easy to see in uh, AdWords, Facebook, and our other sources. Um, so I personally, and I think you'll agree with me on this, I personally, I think the best way to set up events these days is through Google Tag Manager. Oh, yeah. And I mean, um, I work, uh, our agency is, we're, you know, if we focus on a lot of web design stuff, so we have some awesome developers on staff that, you know, help put together some really beautiful sites for our clients. And so their time is pretty valuable because they're usually doing a little bit more important stuff than just setting up a, a simple event tracker for me. And Tag Manager allows me to take a little, some extra things off their plate by setting some easy events, you know, and there's, you know, it's nice too, especially if you're trying to track, like, say, like, um, plays on a video you might have, like, from YouTube or Wistia or some other source. Um, you, there's plenty of um, open source code out there that you can easily find just a, a simple script to add into your tag manager um, and easily start tracking that. So you don't even have to be a developer or someone with coding experience. You, you can find some good scripts that are already pre-made to help you better track your um, those kind of events on your site, such as the video plays um, that are a little bit more complicated or even phone calls as you were talking about. So, uh, yeah, so Tag Manager makes it really easy for me to not bother our developers and make the most use of their time and make the most use of my time. So, And I, I really like some of the points that you brought up too. Um, you know, Google Tag Manager, um, you know, kind of helps helps put things more in, in, in your control, but also helps, um, you know, alleviate some time from developers. And a lot of times, I mean, that just kind of results in like faster turnaround times for you. And, um, you know, I can't think of any person in PPC who doesn't like to be more in control of stuff. So yeah, exactly. um, it's definitely... Yeah, huge added benefit there. And, you know, there we have another, uh, there's another blog on Client Boost that's linked to in the post. Um, it's a huge, huge article on Google Tag Manager. And another resource who we're both a fan of, uh, Simo Ahaba, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> I'm glad you're the one who said his name because I always forget how to say it. <laughs> Simo A. Yeah. Simo A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and he's got a ton of stuff on there. So we kind of touched on this too uh, a little bit earlier, but about um, you know segmenting your audience out to get a better understanding. So again, like kind of like walking through this is like you know we we've set up some ways to make sure we're piping in data, and we touched a little bit on you know making sure that when you're piping in data, it allows you to break out um, different things. And you kind of talked about how you can look at you'll do something simple that Tag or Google Analytics does out of the box which is you can look at organic versus paid versus um, direct traffic, for example, or even see how your different audiences from desktop and mobile and tablet do. Um, mm-hmm. But you can also create custom segments within analytics. So when you're piping in that data from AdWords into analytics, you can actually create um, segments that better match your audience and maybe how you want to analyze them beyond just maybe traffic source or um, device type. So I guess what are some good examples you have um, working at Client Boost and working with your clients that you've been able to do that and use that to the advantage of your clients? Like you said, to this point, we've kind of touched on um, basically everything that you can do, um, like between linking AdWords accounts to your analytics, um, using UTM tags, app- applying the appropriate naming conventions, and then creating goals for you know micro and macro conversions using uh, you know uh, more straightforward methods like um, URLs and also uh, events. At this point, you can you should be able to you know if if you're doing all these things, you should be able to um, identify people accurately. 
from you know any source that they're visiting your website from and basically any kind of action they're completing on your site and so um, you know the next step is really taking advantage of all these um, you know different activities that we're able to record and where they're coming from and create some custom segments so at this point like you know one thing that um, I like to do especially like if I'm um, you know, working with maybe like some display uh, display ads or um, wanting to get a better handle, like just on more audience-based targeting. Um, I might compare like, you know, people who've completed like my most important goal on the site or if it's e-commerce, people who have a particularly high average order value. And I can apply a custom segment that reflects those traits. And I can look at like our demographic reports and see, you know, what's like the overall makeup of these people like, um, you know, is it mostly men or mostly women? What age group do they fall into? Um, and that, at that point, you know, I love it because I can basically take that snapshot, that custom segment of our most valuable audience, and then I can apply another custom segment and say like, how, do our, how does our PPC traffic in general stack up to that? And I think that's pretty important too. Um, AdWords has added a lot more um, demographic, demographic depth to their reporting in the last couple of years, and um, it's a much bigger part of the platform than it used to be. But I still love it because um, Google Analytics gives you a pretty, uh, a pretty comprehensive picture, at least as far as demographics go. And so if I see, like, you know, if there's a major discrepancy between um, the people that my keywords are bringing in versus the people who complete like my most valuable actions or like my most valuable group, then at that point, you know, there, there's a good chance that I may need to rethink part of my strategy um, because for whatever reason, the intent of my keywords just isn't matching up with who my audience actually is. So, I mean, at that point, there's, you know, a lot of things that you can get to, like a lot of um, questions you can start asking yourself to optimize your campaigns and make sure that you're actually bringing in the people who are most valuable to you. And one thing that I think is really cool on top of that, that's a little more um, direct too, is like, for example, like let's say you've never done any Facebook marketing before or any Facebook ads. Um, on a platform like that, that does happen to be way more um, demographic and audience driven. You can also use that data of who your most valuable audience is to start to inform like how, uh, or like the shape some of your demographics are going to start taking when you start using Facebook ads or something that's, you know, like any other kind of paid social. Yeah. And I think what's really important too is to remember that, and you, and you kind of said it perfectly when you're talking about how to analyze your different audiences. Um, and how to analyze like the e-commerce example you gave of someone who has a higher order value is, um, you know, I think with digital marketing, it's, you know, with a lot of the tools, whether you're using analytics and, you know, Adobe or whatever other tools you might be using to, you know, do whatever it is you do, the data that you're getting, um, you should think of digital marketing as NAS as like Formula One racing or NASCAR racing, where probably more Formula One racing would be a little bit better of an example, but <laughs> you should think of it as Formula One racing where you're not going to just, you know, get something off the lot and just take it to a track and like be like, yep, I'm going to win. You're going to do a lot of customization <laughs> to, to customize it for your driver, for your team, um, to, you know, to make the most efficient car possible. Because all the stock stuff, while it's all super helpful and useful, it, at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're trying to get a competitive advantage and you're trying to use any little like any little piece of information you can to make your car faster, um, you know, drive better, improve your driver's reaction time, all that stuff. So whatever you can do to make your data more meaningful for your business specifically, you should do so. I totally agree with you, like about the customization. Um, 
I also kind of like your your uh, Formula One analogy also, just because I was thinking like, you know, if you're starting from scratch, like if you literally have no data whatsoever, I mean, you're kind of starting off like more in the Pinewood Derby until you kind of, <laughs> you know, accumulate like this, uh, you know, these like data about your audience, about like what's working and what's not. And, you know, as you accumulate these things that allow you to customize um, each part of what you're doing, that's kind of when you move up into like these more advanced leagues. Um, and, you know, as I'm thinking about that, like a lot of the same rules apply, like once you do have a good amount of data, um, you know, these deeper levels of customization apply to um, people that you include in remarketing audiences also, uh, just because, you know, let's say like you're, um, if you have an e-commerce site, then, you know, people who are shopping cart abandoners, um, way more valuable than just homepage visitors who bounce. So use your remarketing audiences and use these different levels on your website to segment audiences appropriately. Um, you know, shopping, like if you're in this e-commerce example, um, shopping cart abandoners, um, people who go, who made it to the shipping page, people who made it to the cart page, people who made it to a product page, um, you know, in reverse order, those are, you know, each, you know, worth a different value. And so when you use Google Analytics to build out those different audiences, you can, you know, and once you, and also once you've imported uh, or linked your AdWords account to analytics, you can import all those audiences into your AdWords account, and you can then um, basically apply all of those audiences to um, all your search campaigns as bit only, so that you just start collecting the value of those audiences as a layer of data. And you can also use those for display remarketing. Um, you can apply them to shopping campaigns also. And, um, you know, what's cool about that is, let's say, you know, you've been running those on your AdWords campaigns for um, a few weeks or a couple months, you've gotten some uh, good data about, um, or good data to go off of, you can then actually, like, go to your audiences tab, download a pivot table to aggregate all of your audience data across your account. And then um, basically, you know, use, you know, whatever metrics you're judging success by, whether it's like conversions, conversion value, return on ad spend, um, and basically pivot by those audiences and see like the value of those audiences across your account and then use those to like make bid adjustment decisions. It all comes back to, I, and I, I just made a note here that I was just thinking about that makes a lot of sense is that, you know, thinking about how your site structure too. So making sure that, you know, like you said, assigning value to certain pages. So making sure that you know, you have a navigation that's set up in a way that makes sense to help you not, or to help not just help your audience, you know, achieve the goals that you want them to achieve, but also to help you understand, like, maybe where there's bottlenecks, maybe where there's opportunity to improve on content or a new page or something. But yeah, I think that's all like really uh, useful and um, really beneficial uh, information. To cap all that off, like use Google, read marketing audiences and Google Analytics because they offer a lot more customization than just AdWords. Um, you know, base them off of a kind of successive value. That way you can um, prioritize more valuable audiences more happily. And then, you know, import them into your uh, AdWords account. That way you can collect the actual data on them and then use them to, um, you know, make appropriate bid adjustments so that, you know, you're really um, assigning each audience its true value across your account. What's a good report that you like to use? Um... I see here in the notes, uh, but what's a good report that you like to use to help you better understand maybe some of these, uh, like how visitors convert and stuff like that? Basically, you know, do like a, a report for um, visitors from like a certain campaign and then add a secondary dimension for a user type. And then that'll let you 
um, segment by new and returning users. So at that point, you can actually um, make a judgment for yourself, like are returning users actually worth more? Um, that can actually give you a more realistic insight into the potential worth of a remarketing campaign rather than just assuming like, yeah, it's remarketing, like it's always going to be worth and, and, you know, you touched on something important there about uh, the time between conversions for certain industries, depending on what you're selling or what your services are. Um, and I think, like, the time lag and even the page length reports are kind of useful for that, kind of seeing how how are people trying to gauge information. So going back to your SaaS example, um, it's a longer process because people are kind of exploring. So, you know, the first pages they might be on your site are going to be obviously your homepage and maybe your pricing page to kind of get some numbers. And then... You know, once they do some competitive research and they kind of narrow it down to like, okay, these people are within our budget, they might start exploring your services pages and seeing, okay, like what are the different services and features I get out of this product, you know, that maybe the other ones aren't giving me. And then after that, they might like do more, uh, do download some content. So now they're getting some more information, some white, uh, some white papers or watching some videos on how to use your product. You know, is it, you know, is it easily integrated into how we're already doing business or is it something that we're going to do a whole training session on for our team? Now, how easy is it for us to pick it up? So, you know, you can start seeing that. And, you know, it's already adding up now. You can kind of see how this is simple. I was like, oh, we sell this awesome, you know, software. But you can see how for someone it could take them a while to get there. So looking at a time lag or a page pa- a page length report is uh, really useful, I think. Yeah, exactly. The, the time lag and path length reports can be hugely useful in kind of giving you a more quantitative view into uh, basically how complex people perceive your offering to be. Um, and so this, this can give you a good idea too. Like, you know, if you are, um, you know, like that SaaS company, then if, you know, if you see that a lot of your conversions are, you know, if you're using the time lag report and you see that the majority or even, um, you know, just like somewhere between 25 and 50% of your conversions are coming, um, you know, after 30 days plus, because people spend uh, a lot of time, like, you know, evaluating other solutions. They spend time learning more about you. They spend time in a free trial. Um, if you're like counting, you know, like a paid sign up, for example. Um, so, you, I mean, you can use these reports also to make sure that the, um, you know, depending on who you're advertising to, you're giving them the appropriate offer. So like, if you see that, you know, you have like that really long um, uh, time lag on your conversion, um, then you, that, that's like a pretty fair indication. Like, you know, you don't want to advertise like the, um, you know, like annual sign up plan to people who've never heard of you before. Um, you know, cause if you understand, like if your conversion path is already that long, it takes people, um, that amount of time to digest what your offering is, then don't overwhelm them. Like start off with something simple, like offer, you know, a free ebook or offer like, you know, some information, something of like value just to get things started and to get them in your funnel. And I'll say, um, and I guess like one additional tip on this, on this point is, um, you know, using the behavior flow would also be another good chart to look at for certain things. Um, so for example, I did some analysis on some of our blogs, trying to see how, how effective are our blogs, like, how effective are our top blogs that get a ton of page views and kind of are evergreen for us? How effective are they in terms of when people land on those pages, what did they do next? Um, that's another good report to kind of like check out. And um, especially with PPC, especially if you have landing pages for some of your content, um, you know, see what people do after they land on that page, you know, where do they go? Or if, especially if it's like a product um, e-commerce page, you're pointing them straight to a product page or, you know, category page. You know, what are people doing after they go there? They're actually you know, going into the different products? Are they going to about about us? Are they going to your pricing? Like, 
uh, I find that that's also like a, an, addition, an additional report that I find very helpful to check out every now and then. So like these same kinds of, like this same concept of funnels applies to search also in the ways people will search. So, you know, I see a lot of times too, where like this, you know, the same deal with the e-commerce example you're mentioning. Um, a lot of times like I'll, I'll see, um, you know, generic searches for, um, uh, I'm thinking of a particular client, like I'll see generic searches for the kinds of products they sell. I'll see um, someone who searches like, you know, their brand, but they're looking for reviews. And then it, you know, it gets a little bit deeper into like, you know, like brand and product specific and like even product number specific searches. But a lot of times I find that the searches that include things like reviews um, or price or cost, those things, um, they tend to be like very much like in the middle of that research stage where I don't often see a lot of last click conversions but at the same time, I mean, because there's a fair amount of intent there, I'm not always sure that, um, you know, they had nothing to do with someone eventually converting. And so one thing that I happen to be a really big fan of is um, basically double checking certain negative keywords like that through the assisted conversions report. Um, and so that's something that you can find like under the conversions tab in the analytics interface. But I love it because basically like I can, you know, find uh, a search query like that that contains you know like my client's brand and the word reviews and I can see like you know maybe it did, had no last click conversions but I can see that you know there might be a good amount of assisted revenue involved in that search so it helps me you know place some kind of value uh, on that kind of search and you know also it helps prevent me from you know setting a negative keyword that would have actually um, you know been less profitable than if I were to keep it. I love the the attribution modeling that um, analytics actually has to offer and checking that assisted conversions report, um, you know, especially measuring how, how something is influ potentially influencing other channels. Um, I find it really helpful. And especially sometimes like when you're just trying to measure lift, seeing how just turning on even just something basic as turning on PPC and seeing how, um, you know, your organic or direct traffic might see a lift. I see a little boost is, um, is really helpful. And it's interesting too. I mean, I feel like it's kind of a like hotly debated topic right now um, with you know attribution in general. Uh, I don't I don't think anyone has really like a, a perfect method for attribution modeling yet. But I think that there we're we're starting to arrive at a lot of good methods that you know are either based on the the way that you want to view your data or the kind of business uh, or business model that you're working with, um, and so. I would say in, in a lot of cases, like especially, you know, if you do tend to fall like into maybe a longer cycle e-commerce business or um, if you're that more complex uh, SaaS business, um, you're, you're going to get a lot more value out of using something like the attribution model comparison tool, um, you know, at least then if you were, you know, like our AC repair or plumber example, uh, there's probably not a whole lot of need for, um, you know, like linear or position based attribution modeling there. but uh, you know, if you are like, you know, a SaaS company or, you know, anyone who has like a more complex offering, um, those attribution models really do offer a lot of value. And so um, I can think of a, a particular example where a client was asking, um, you know, based on the AdWords data that they were viewing, um, you know, like if that was really the full extent of value that the AdWords campaigns were offering. Um, and so we looked at a couple of different attribution models together that, you know, went beyond just last click and they were, you know, we, after looking at them together, they were like, oh, wow, yeah, like this makes a lot more sense. And they were happy with it. And I think that's actually like a really big key to it right there too. Um, 
just because I feel like a lot there's a lot of like I feel like there's potential for this connotation where you know attribution modeling is just kind of like this like sly sneaky concept where um, you know maybe like marketers just use it to like gain extra credit for you know the same amount of conversions or something like that and <laughs> you know it because <laughs> it, yeah it's, it's kind of like a it's a it's a new concept kind of and so i think the most important thing like you know i, I wouldn't ever want like any of my clients to feel that way um and i know a lot of people feel the same way too um and so really I think a lot of times when it comes to attribution modeling, the best the best way to go about it is to you know basically come like basically define like a few models that you think make sense for your client's business time, and you know present the pros and cons of each model, discuss them with your client, and make sure that you know they're comfortable with their understanding and they're comfortable with um, you know how credit is assigned and how that relates to their business, um, just because. Um, you know, I'm still of the opinion that there is no like perfect formula for attribution modeling yet. And so at this point, because we, you know, we have several good ones, the best way to go about it is to, you know, identify those that are most relevant and then, you know, discuss them with your client. And when you, when you can agree on one with your client, you know, when you have that mutual agreement that you're looking at a model that, you know, reflects the accurate value that your campaigns are generating, reflects value for their business, I feel like that's kind of like the key to success in finding value beyond last click. I think another good report too is the top conversions path. So you can kind of see maybe like what different, like you were mentioning keywords or, you know, what different sources or how they're contributing to the overall main goal of your, your site. Like, so again, for e-commerce, it's probably like sales obviously. Um, but you know, you can also see how people are converting. So again, maybe, maybe it doesn't make as much sense if you have a service like the, home services thing you were talking about, but kind of going back to our SaaS example, you can kind of see maybe how people are researching you specifically, seeing how, you know, do people first, like maybe find you guys, find you through a paid ad, come back through organic, and then finally convert on the, that direct conversion, you know, or is it something a little bit more unique? They start off on social, um, do a direct, come back directly, and then find you through a paid ad. So it'd be interesting to see, and that, I find that report helpful in just understanding maybe how how people are discovering you at least. I mean, how do you use it? Like, like we've talked about, I mean, you know, if you see that you have a more complex conversion journey, like through the um, time lag or path length reports, especially the path length in this case, like if you see, you know, that there are several different paths that someone or people on average tend to interact with before they convert, the top conversion paths report helps you visualize exactly what those different paths are. And so, um, you know, you might see like, you know, a lot of people who are um, coming through like your paid social ads, for example, maybe they later, um, you know, come through like an organic, uh, organic search listing or uh, a paid ad. And so you when you can visualize like, you know, let's say um, you're able to identify that like X percent of people um, come in through paid social, but later convert on a branded term um, or non-branded term um, is where they begin their conversion journey, but later they convert like on a branded term or direct visit. Um, even though in your AdWords reporting, the results may look otherwise, you're actually able to see that your um, paid social, your new audiences, your non-branded targeting is actually generating some pretty significant value. Um, 
you know, a lot of times, like a, a question that um, I've heard pretty often is, you know, clients will ask, like, why would we want to bid on our branded traffic? Like, we were just going to get that anyway. And so a lot of times you might find that that's actually not the case because um, this will help you actually like see and quantify like who are the people that actually know what that brand is because of an ad from a different channel or from a different campaign. Um, you know, the, the analogy that I always like to use um, when kind of explaining why branded campaigns convert the way they do is, you know, a lot of times your other channels, your non-branded campaigns, um, your higher funnel campaigns, um, you know, they're like the players in a basketball game who are kind of um, outside on the perimeter. And these are the players who are, you know, making all the assists. And when it comes to why branded campaigns appear to be so valuable, you know, a lot of it's because the branded campaign's the guy who's like receiving the alley-oop and he's the one like right there in the post ready to like dunk it. So, you know, of course, like he's going to look really good from a points perspective, but that doesn't mean we should like undervalue the players who are actually like, you know, making their way around the defense and like making those crucial assists to him. So the top conversion paths report, like kind of understand, it helps you understand like, you know, the exact value all your players are bringing. Again, that's why the, I think, yeah, that top conversions, the attribution modeling, the assisted conversions reports are, are so important because it gives you, it gives you again, going back to like what I said earlier about just trying to use data to give yourself a full picture of what's going on, not just a simple one dimension of, did this convert or not? Um, it's not always the, the answer. And some clients, some clients think it is. And, and I think that's can, yeah, and it sounds, it sounds like you were saying earlier, like it sounds like it could be like a sleazy tactic, but it's like, no, I mean, they all, they all play together because people engage with the internet in very different ways. And I mean, even like when you're talking about like TrueView ads, for example, I mean, Google's like, you know, talking to our Google representative, our representatives and are even looking at some of the Google's documentation, they're always like, you know, this isn't necessarily a last click, you know, conversion point. And, you know, trying to explain that to clients, uh, it seems like, well, why shouldn't it be? It's like, when was the last time you like bought something directly from a YouTube ad? You know, you have to remember that these are, <laughs> these are people on the other side of the thing, but you remember it and you go check it out later. I've seen some really cool things that, yeah, I'm just going to watch the video I, was, I originally was going to watch, but I remember the brand and I go back and search it later. And then sometimes I've gotten what I saw, but I mean, just, I think for me, I always try to remind marketers that it's, at the end of the day, like, you know, we've been talking about numbers and data, but there are people using the internet just like you and me. And it's like, you know, how do you, how do you contribute to the internet and, you know, make it a better place, but also like, you know, helping your clients achieve their goals and it's being relevant, being helpful and just, you know, being useful at the right times. So. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, you know, looking at all these, uh, you know, different examples of like ways you might value different visitors, things like that, um, you know, something that's like equally crucial is making sure that, you know, they're like, especially like if you do have like one of these longer conversion cycles, or if you're an e-commerce retailer who has like multiple steps in their purchase process, you want to be able to find out, you know, regardless of where your traffic's coming from, which areas uh, people are, you know, falling out of your funnel, like which, which parts of your um, conversion process are leaky. And so, um, one really effective way to analyze that in Google Analytics is through the funnel visualization report. And so basically it's, you know, you follow a similar process to uh, creating a goal. There's just one button in there um, where basically it kind of asks you, like, do you want to create a funnel? And then you just check yes. And so this lets you add multiple steps based on uh, different URL rules um, where you can basically measure like each step up to your macro conversion. So like with an e-commerce retailer, really straightforward, um, 
you know, like you kind of, you can like set rules to like measure people who go from like product to cart, cart to shipping, shipping to billing, billing to uh, purchase, something like that. And um, it's really useful because they really do, like it, it builds out like this huge, um, you know, funnel chart where you can see uh, like the exact percentage of people who are like dropping off at each step. And so um, you can use those different numbers to really, uh, you know, start painting a picture of like which which parts of your purchase process or sign-up process actually need the most work. Yeah, and, and I think too, uh, one thing that I've done before, because uh, sometimes like maybe you don't know or maybe you want to see, um, maybe you set up your site in a way that you're trying to, you know, guide people down a funnel that you've created. You can kind of see if that's effective or not. Um, you know, using going back to that behavior behavioral flow analysis report, um, I've used that to set up some some goals with the funnels on them to see how you know how effective are like if people visit these pages how effective is that to lead, getting them to convert so so there's also unique ways you can use it that, that you can take advantage of going back to some of that customization and using these other reports to help out but i think the but yeah but taking tackling the obvious ones like you mentioned with e-commerce or your sign up process is is going to be for sure the most crucial um because you want to identify like, you know, what, what friction are people seeing friction in like maybe your, your sign up process and how can you reduce that friction or make it less scary or, you know, you know, whatever the case might be in, in terms of trying to improve your conversion optimization, basically. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like I can think of a couple examples, um, you know, of the optimizations you might make depending on like which parts of the funnel are showing the uh, biggest room for improvement. Um, you know, one that we've worked on together in a previous lifetime, um, <laughs> we were seeing like, <laughs> like around the, uh, you know, like basically like around like the billing slash checkout section, um, we were seeing some drop offs there and you were able to, um, figure out pretty quickly that there was actually, um, basically based on that, uh, on that client's checkout, if people selected the PayPal option, there was actually like an error that was coming up. And, um, I think it ended up being like, you know, people were actually able to, complete their checkout, but it was just that for whatever reason, the PayPal process wasn't being sent to analytics correctly. Yeah. It wasn't doing the redirect. So like, yeah, when you, when you check out through PayPal, um, on the back end of the merchant center, you're supposed to give it the redirect cause it's going through a PayPal system and it'll, it'll kick it back to your, to your website after the, you know, uh, transactions complete. But for somehow, like, um, I don't know, someone on their end changed something, you know, probably by accident. I'm sure the client didn't do it on purpose, obviously, but <laughs> We, we all got worried it's like oh man like what, there's this huge drop off what's going on and then the data was able to help us you know make us alert to that um fortunately so yeah and it's again but it's it's super helpful because you can identify things like that because sometimes it could just be a technical issue maybe there's nothing wrong with your page it's just something broke and it needs to be fixed and you know another um another example that i have in mind too and one that i think you know i feel like might be a little less straightforward because i feel like you know, when we, you know, examine things like checkout processes, we expect to find um, issues that happen like, you know, closer toward the purchase. But I, I feel like also, you know, if you're reviewing your data and you feel that not enough people are moving from the, you know, higher levels, like from product to cart or um, maybe even like cart to checkout, um, in my, like I've seen like, you know, one, one extra tool outside of analytics that can be really helpful. Um, Hotjar, where you can also gain some qualitative feedback in addition to all the, all the quantitative data you're getting. Um, two, two particular features 
that um, are recently uh, used in conjunction with each other, the session recordings, which give you um, basically uh, total recordings of like people's uh, behavior on your website, like in the in the form of video. So it's very visual, um, and you can easily see like you know how people are interacting, and uh, the polls feature, which lets you basically like ask a question like. Um, you know, what's preventing you from buying today? Did you find everything you're looking for? Um, stuff like that. And using those two, two things together, um, basically made for like a, and that combined with our funnel visualization data, made for a really great way to find out um, that our, uh, our product to cart conversion rate could be better. And so um, in these hot jar session recordings, I was saying, you know, a lot of people are viewing all the product specs on the page. They're viewing questions that people have answered about those products. And, um, you know, they're even reading reviews, not just about the products, but also company reviews on the website. So, you know, from just like a, a regular information gathering perspective, they did just about all the homework they could just through a regular website visit. But, um, you know, through reading the poll responses, a lot of people were indicating that uh, because these tended to be um, pricier products, that people wanted to either speak to a real person or to um, have more information. And because I could see from the Hotjar recordings, they're actually looking at a ton of information. Um, the real thing, you know, it seems like what they need is context added to that information, which can be facilitated way easier by a real person. So uh, a step that we're taking right now is to uh, help them get a chat function on their site where their customer service team can kind of respond um, at a more efficient scale and just kind of help people, um, you know, figure out those extra questions that don't necessarily make sense to like put in the specs or something like that. Yeah. And um, so I guess like something, something that I've experienced, um, especially when I first started doing this is I would see like, there'd be like a difference between the, uh, and kind of just moving forward a little bit is uh, one thing I would see, like, especially when I started first doing this was I would see a difference between, um, the counts and conversions between like analytics and AdWords. I guess like what, what, how do you understand the difference between those two things? You know, you may see discrepancies between, uh, you know, oftentimes a discrepancy has to be between conversions um, because Google Analytics and AdWords tend to tend to count conversions slightly differently. And so the model that analytics uses to count conversions is uh, a model called last non-direct click. And so basically, that means that uh, from an attribution standpoint, analytics is going to um, attribute a conversion to um, whatever the last source was that was not a direct visit to the website. So, for example, if um, you know someone uh, made a visit from AdWords to, uh, uh, but they didn't convert, and then they later came back uh, by typing in the name of the website directly, and then they converted. Analytics counts that as a uh, conversion from the ad. And AdWords, on the other hand, um, I believe they use last AdWords click attribution. And in that case, um, basically whatever, like basically what's displayed as a conversion um, in AdWords is gonna be attributed to basically the last AdWords element that was interacted with before a conversion. And now the world makes sense. <laughs> I know it's kind of funny that they uh, it's it's the same company too it's like the same from the same developers but it's just uh, slightly slightly different ways and again I know that especially with clients when they see that it's like it's always fun it's always fun to explain like how how those two things work but hopefully I think for the most part they they get it and I think that's a great that's a great summary so 
Uh, if you need help explaining that to a client, I would just take that little bit from Reese and just just share it over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say too, I mean, I, and I think like it's it's been getting better lately, uh, especially with Google's overall um, Google's overall push toward uh, moving beyond last click attribution. Um, I feel like over the last you know couple of years or so, I've I've been tending to see more alignment between the conversions that I'm viewing in um, analytics and AdWords. Um, you know, of course, like the it, it's usually like not 100% perfect, but you know they are different platforms that just happen to collect and process data differently. Also, so one thing that I'll, I'll add also is um, you know Google Analytics actually also has a lot of you know pretty solid keyword opportunities that you may not be taking advantage of through the site search report and so um, basically the site search report is applicable if uh, your website has like a search function that helps people find products or services they're looking for um, but basically like you can take everything that people are searching when they're already within your site and those things are all going to be populated within the uh, site search report and so those can actually be pretty useful because you may find, um, you know, you may find products that people are searching for that you're not actively targeting yet, or um, you may find unique descriptions of products that people are using um, that you know you may just not have thought of. Um, you know, like all the all the customers or potential customers who come to your site are always going to be like infinitely creative and offer new ways that you know. Like it's just not normal for one person to think of, and so it's, it's a it's a great way to like harvest some of that creativity and expand you know the keyword targeting of your campaigns. Yeah, and I, and I found it very useful too to uh, not just do with the expanding of keywords, but also um, optimize your site. So with the client that we were talking about that we worked on a lifetime ago, um, you know one way we were able to help improve some of his op conversion optimization was we looked at the site ter uh, site search report and found. Uh, you know what people were searching for most and then we're able to optimize the menu to move those products higher in the menu so it made their site um, it made their um, you know their visit more more optimized for them it's like oh okay this is what I was looking for in the menu so they just go to the menu first and then even recently I've been able to use it with a client to to like you said find those opportunities of how people are searching for it so one thing I typically ask clients when you know I'm working on like some keyword stuff for them it's, you know, like, what do you want to ring for? Like, what are you thinking that you want to, like, you know, do well in? And then it's like, okay, what do your clients actually search for is the other question I ask because um, those two can sometimes be very different. Um, you know, there's, like, a lot of, like, jargon within an industry industry sometimes. So they'll use that kind of jargon of, um, you know, whatever that might be for them. But, a client, but clients or potential customers are using, like, very simple terms that maybe are more colloquial and so, you know, a client might be thinking, oh, we should be ranking for this. But if the person that you're trying to target is using more of like a, a colloquialism or a shorthand for it, you know, you want to make sure you're targeting that as well. So that side term um, site search report is really helpful in that. Yeah, like if you're if you're um, you know, like selling door parts, for example, then your client may think, you know, oh, we need to be like we need to be really bidding really high on like Stevenson iron door fasteners. <laughs> and then like your your like, clients customers are just searching for hinges or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that's a 
So that's why it's, I think it's an important question to ask. And again, you can even get some answers from a, a site search uh, report, which is it's great. I love it. You know, at this point, I was thinking we could wrap up with just, you know, three quick topics or like not not even quick topics, but three quick tips on um, just some extra things you can do to um, keep your Google Analytics data clean and to uh, make sure that, you know, you're getting um, like regular notifications from your analytics data, too, which is a pretty cool feature you can take advantage of. I think for me, like the biggest one that I, I use a lot and I find the most frustrating when I don't see anything in there is annotations. Um, annotations are yeah. ways in analytics that you can go in and note, you know, big events on your site. So for us, a lot of that is going to be like launching a new site or launching new campaigns or marketing strategies. Because um, one thing I like to look at too is the residual effects of something. So maybe you're running a short-term campaign for like a webinar or an event that's coming up and then that's going to end. You know, it's also good to see how like the re the residual effects of that. You know, what was your traffic like before the campaign started? What was the traffic like when the campaign started? And then how has it changed since? Because, you know, hopefully with a goal with like something like maybe you're promoting an event or you're doing something that, you know, you have a new average of traffic you get per day as opposed to like, oh, we had this spike and then it went back down to normal. You know, so maybe whatever you did last time didn't stick well enough. Like how can you make sure that you're sticking, you know, you're you're more in the mind of the target audience you're trying to reach. And so I, I've, I think the annotations um, is really helpful for that because then you can actually pin down what day you actually did something because you're definitely not going to remember when you launched a campaign six months from now, like what day that was specifically. And knowing the specific day is super important because, you know, it, it can, you know, throw off your data. And I know I like data to be as accurate as possible. So that's how come I find it very useful and important. And then also making sure those annotations are, you know, descriptive enough. You know, you have a limit. I think it's like 200-something characters that you can write something that's enough for you to get something, um, you know, detailed enough to say, like, you know, launched AdWords campaign, um, targeting, you know, this specific campaign, doing this or whatever, whatever the case is. But the worst thing is, like, when a client asked me to review something from a year ago that, you know, I wasn't involved in and I don't know anyone who was. And I just have this like year-long worth, year-long set of data and there's nothing annotated. And it's like, okay, well, like... <laughs> I'm going to have to start just digging through all the data and it's a lot more frustrating to do it that way. Um, annotations are a super underrated feature of Google Analytics. Um, and people don't use them. them. Just by, <laughs> yeah. That's the most they, frustrating yeah, part. It's rare. Um, you know, if you, and you can access them pretty easily. Like if you just, um, if you look at almost any chart in the analytics interface, then right below the chart, you can see like a little um, downward arrow. And if you just click on that arrow that's kind of centered right right below the chart, then it'll kind of open up this uh, annotations menu. And, you know, it really, like, it, it lets you add, like, some hard dates and some context to your data. And so, like you said, it's great for measuring residual changes of, of something. And um, it's also really useful, too, like, if you're um, switching anything um anything that might affect your tracking, um, like if you're migrating everything to Google Tag Manager or if you're testing something else out, then you can make a note of that also. And like if you notice any wild differences in your traffic, then you can make sure that you have that context right there also. And you mentioned like something that's really important too is getting uh, alerts from your analytics. So one thing uh, that analytics allows you to do, which I really like, is set custom alerts. And you can set those alerts uh, based on, you know, drops in traffic, um, increases in traffic, increases in revenue, or drops in revenue. Um, a basic one that I always set up for every client is a broken traffic. So um, I have something where I set up an alert so it measures everything day over day. 
it looks at the number of sessions and if it's less than one um, I get an alert so that way oh no something's broken so you know sometimes and that's happened in the past where clients data has been broken because they did a site update and when they did it they accidentally removed the analytics tag and all of a sudden everything is just gone so then like Oh no! So fortunately, um, I've been in times where we didn't catch it right away. We caught it like a couple of weeks later, which is not great because now we have like two weeks. <laughs> and what sucks is like you don't just lose two weeks worth of data; you lose the month for sure. Because now, especially if you're doing like e-commerce stuff, you know, messing up just even like a few days really throws off like your averages, and you, it's harder to tell because sometimes some days are more important than other days, especially depending on your shopper's behavior. But, you know, you're not just losing the data you lost on those days. You're losing the data for the week and for the month and even for potentially the quarter, depending on how you're, you know, how you do like data measurements. So any time that you're, you're missing, the more data you lose, the more impactful and more it harms your overall uh, data quality. So definitely set up um, some of the, set, set up a broken custom alert, which is one I, I do for any time I get a new client and I do optimize their a, uh, analytics account. That's like one of the first things I set up. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, one thing that I take very seriously is just, you know, having um, very regular, very consistent check-ins on a daily basis for um, basically like any accounts that I'm managing just to make sure that there aren't any um, unusual fluctuations in their data. And uh, analytics custom alerts really make it a lot easier to um, be in multiple places at once uh, just because they kind of provide that extra layer of security um, where you can get those email alerts, like if there's anything, um, like you mentioned, like any anything weird where like there's no traffic coming, um, or even if there are more um, gradual um, overall uh, like increases in um, like conversions or decreases in conversions, um, you know, you can really set them up almost any way you like so that you can get some pretty um, consistent measurements just to make sure like no part of your campaigns are behaving very erratically. And uh, one last tip that I wanted us to cover uh, that, you know, not everyone yet is taking advantage of in Google Analytics is segmenting your branded and non-branded search terms from each other. Uh, and you can do this for both uh, paid and organic traffic. And I think oh, this yeah. is a really cool feature. Yeah. Um, and it, it's pretty easy to set up. Um, you can just go to like your view settings and go to manage brand terms. Um, and I would, you know, when you do this, I definitely recommend like, you know, including like your brand, but also including uh, a couple of common misspellings just to be sure all the all the traffic's captured. But, you know, I love this feature because uh, it, it really just makes sense. Like you would do the same thing with your um, AdWords campaigns where you, you know, segment your non-branded traffic from branded traffic because uh, I mean, one, the two types behave very differently and two, it just makes sense from an attribution perspective. So uh, Google Analytics now has the feature for you to be able to do this, um, you know, at an even uh, broader level with all your uh, all your search traffic that comes through analytics. And I think the the moral of the story, <laughs> if you will, is that you want to make sure overall that you're you're giving yourself the you know you might not always use it, but you're you're able to dissect your data as get it as small as possible and segment it as much as you can. Um, you know, you want to try and break it down all the way to the to the smallest atom, or you know, whatever is beyond an atom, even because you know, again, it may not always seem practical right away, but when you're trying to figure out, like, you know, again, uh, when I when I had the chance to work with Reese, um, 
with this client that we've been uh, t- we've been talking about, you know, have we we were able to really dig into some of the data and to kind of see, um, especially when he set up that branded and non-branded stuff, see how those two different audiences interacted with it, and you know, seeing how when someone doesn't know who you are, seeing what they do versus what people who know who you are do is really insightful. And again, some of it seems obvious. It's like, oh, of course, like branded stuff uh, would have more conversions or, you know, they'd be more engaged. Um, and that's the obvious part. But what's not obvious is like, well, how does someone who doesn't know who you are interact with your site? And again, that's probably where you're going to get more of your value too. And not that the branded doesn't have value because for sure it does. But seeing how people who don't know who you are um, interact with your site is really important. Once you've taken care of you know, all those kind of, you know, more basic housekeeping steps, that's the point where you can, you know, really take off and use all this data that analytics has to boost your PPC results and use it to see like, you know, which terms people are searching for on your site, um, the different cross-channel paths that people take before they convert, gain understanding of um, how complex your offer is to make sure that you're using the right messaging for each stage of like your conversion cycle and even like, you know, find uh, your next best expansion opportunities. Um, you know, once you've taken care of, you know, all the proper um, tagging and data organization, that's when all these things that can be, you know, really big opportunities, that's when they really all start to take shape. Hey, I agree with everything you said, man. And I think that's a, a great way to end this uh, nice little podcast plus uh podcast addition to this blog that you have here, man. Um, awesome. Yeah. And I, I definitely want to say thank you to uh, anyone who's listened to the podcast or anyone who may be uh, reading the blog. Uh, definitely a very, uh, a very dense and uh, action packed uh, podcast. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, in, in summation of a pretty meaty blog post also. So I uh, definitely want to make sure that, uh, well, I definitely want to say thank you um, for listening I uh, definitely want to make sure that everything we're providing is super actionable. And so really hope that everyone got some uh, value out of the podcast and or blog. Yeah. And um, feel free to connect with us. Um, Reese, for sure, on anything PPC, uh, uh, he earned the name of PPC Iron Man. Uh, it was a great video that he and I <laughs> produced where he was PPC Iron Man, had the heads up display and everything. So he's a, he's a great resource. He's a, I love getting information from him and talking to him about PPC things. Um, where can they find you, Reese? You can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Papa Reese, P-O-P-P-A-R-E-E-S-E. Noise. And then I am Matthew Pompa. Uh, you know, I focus a lot on data analysis and analytics, um, data science stuff and marketing automation and even video stuff. So you've yeah, been doing a lot of video stuff recently, which has been a lot of fun. And uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at, at M-V-P-O-M-P-A. Yeah, appreciate you guys for listening. Um, thanks, Reese, for having me on to join you over here for a little client boost action. Excited to to see the feedback from this and um yeah thanks dude yeah definitely i'm glad that we got to do this together all right guys well i hope you guys have a great week and if you haven't heard our podcast before we are terrible at coming up with an, a really good closing tagline we've <laughs> never we've never figured it out and i don't think we're ever we going to we need a formula for an outro <laughs> <laughs>